I believe what it says. I can be who it says I can be. I can do what it says I can do. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I believe that this word will change my life. And I trust the Lord to change it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Now, I'm going to ask you to uh, grab your seats real quick. We're going to show you a short presentation, then we're going to get into the Word. No? It's not happening? We're going to believe God for it to happen in the second service? In the first service? In the second service? Okay. (laughs) We're going to believe God. All right. Well, let's just pray. Father, we give you thanks for your Word this morning. We thank you, Father, that your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. It is quick. It is powerful. And, Father, we thank you that it's dividing our hearts even now in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you this morning that as I share the word that you wear me like a glove. That, Father, you would be the substance of everything that's said. And that, Father, we would hear the word of God. Father, we open our hearts and our minds to be changed by you. And we thank you that none of us will leave here the same. We promise to give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. And everyone say, Amen. Amen. Well, good morning again. I am just blessed that I'm here this morning. As you heard, Pastor Eben is in North Carolina. And um, I spoke to him yesterday. And you know what? It, it, It took as long for him to get there as it does for him to get to Jamaica. That's how long it was for him to get there. Because um, where he is, like, uh, it's in this place called Newburgh. And they don't even really have a big, you know, airport or anything. It's like one of those little... So um, it's like, might as well be the back bush of nowhere. You know what I mean? So I'm glad to be here because the Lord has, uh, you know, given me the opportunity this morning to start a series called The Power of We. Now... Several years ago, we purchased land on Highway 360. Not only have we consistently met our payments on time each month, but recently the land was valued at $1.2 million more than we owe on it. Isn't that awesome? Amen. 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 And next year, we plan to begin our building. In Jesus' name. Yes. Amen. Now, it will be a building that can uh, accommodate our kids in an environment that's fun, with slides, with craft areas, with kid-friendly furniture, with all sorts of great things for the kids. It will be a building that accommodates our youth in rooms that are relevant to them with Xboxes, yeah, and big screens, and lights, and stage, and lots of action. It will be a A building that can accommodate classes like our leadership classes and our discipleship classes and our new members classes and all the things that we want to do. It will be a building that can accommodate our growth with a sanctuary we can be proud of. Amen? Where the AC doesn't get cut off at the wrong side and the heat doesn't get turned off at the wrong time and you don't walk in and it's like 103 degrees in the house. Can somebody say amen to that? Amen. It's 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 a building... That the Lord has given the vision to our pastor to. And so this is our vision. 
Today we're beginning a new series entitled The Power of We. And the purpose of this new series is to motivate all of us to get behind the vision that God has given our pastors for Project 360. And to inspire each of us to bring a pledge of commitment for the building on Christmas Day, Sunday, December 25th. Amen. Can you imagine on December 25th, we're going to give Jesus a present? Isn't that awesome? Amen? Amen. You know, so many of us, hold on, before you can, let me tell you something. So many of us look forward to Christmas Day for ourselves. It's, turn to the person beside you and say, it's not your birthday. Amen? Whose birthday is it? Jesus. Jesus. Amen. So guess what? We're going to bless him on his birthday. Don't, let's put our hands together for that. Amen? Amen. So today's message is entitled, We Can. Because we can do this. Do you believe that? You believe that this, this building, look at that. That building is what we are getting ready to do. And I'm excited about it. Amen. 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 Turn with me to Genesis chapter 11. Genesis chapter 11. And we're going to be reading from verses 1 to verse 6. And my first point is this. God called us to do it so we can do it. Man, if God calls us to do it, we can do it. There is nothing to stop us. Genesis chapter 11 verse 1. Now the whole earth had one language and one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a place in the land of Shinar and dwelt there. Then they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had brick for stone, they had asphalt for mortar. And they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for who? For ourselves. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, indeed, the people are one. And they all have one language, and this is what they begin to do. Now nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. Wow. Wow. God said, because these people are one, and because they have one purpose, nothing that they propose to do will be impossible for them. These guys weren't walking in the will of God. These guys weren't doing what God wanted. But he said, if these guys continue to be united, and if they have one single focus in mind, then nothing that they decide to do will be impossible for them. That's the power of we. Because the power of we simply says this, if people are united around the same purpose, and if they're united around a single focus, then anything they decide to do can be done. That's powerful. Now, watch this. Can you imagine if they had the right motive? Their motive was to build something for themselves. Can you imagine if they had the right vision? Can you imagine if they had the right method? What if they were doing all of this in the name of God? Then, really, <laughs> not only would their power be there, but the power of Almighty God would be on their side. This means this. That if we decide to do anything that God tells us to do, 
Nothing can be stopped. We can't be stopped. We can't be held back. There is nothing that will be impossible for you and I to do. And this church has a vision from God to build a sanctuary. Let me tell you something. If we get behind this, there is nothing that will be impossible for us. Amen? Amen. Let me tell you how powerful this power of we is. Jesus said, if two of you agree on earth touching anything, it shall be done. That's what unity does. That's what the power of we does. In fact, Psalm 133 says how pleasant and how beautiful it is when brethren dwell together in unity. Because that's where the Lord commands His blessing. If you want to see the commanded blessing of the Lord, just walk in unity with what God is saying and with your brethren. And God will command His blessing upon you. And so God would have blessed this project if they were in line with His will. God would have blessed it, and God would have blessed them. You cannot get in agreement with God and not get blessed. I want to say that again. You cannot get in agreement with God and not get blessed. God wants to bless some of us. And the way in which we get the blessing of God is when we line up in agreement with Him. Amen? Now the church that we're about to build on 360 is already in the heart and mind of God. God already established it. This thing is already set. God has this done. In fact, listen, when God showed up and he showed up to, uh, you remember this guy who was threshing, um, uh, pressing wine in, in the threshing floor? His name was Gideon. You remember Gideon? Yeah, Gideon was uh, in, in uh, secret, hiding away from the enemy. And God turned up and God said, thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon said, who are you talking about? Me? And he said, yeah, you're a mighty man of valor. Because God already saw what was going to happen before it happened. God is the God who writes the end before he even starts the beginning. In other words, uh, watch this. Yeah, he's the God who, watch this. God says, listen, I am at the end. I am the alpha and the what? Omega. That means he already is at the end before we get there. This building is already completed in God's eyes. This is already done. This is, a, this is a closed case. Now God, all God needs is for us to line up with what He's about to do. And He will bless both it and you. Hallelujah. Amen. It's the power of agreement. Hudson Taylor said this. God's work done, done God's way will always have God's provision. God's work done God's way will always have God's provision. And that's because when, God, when we do it God's way, God gets the glory. And God would always show up for anything that gives Him the glory. Listen, this is going to give God glory. Amen? Amen. 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 Here's the second thing I want you to know. Not only God has called us to do it so we can do it, but God has called us to do it so we should do it. You know, there's a difference between having the ability to do something... And wanting to do something. There's a difference between having the ability and having the willingness. Because we can do it. But can do it is not good enough. We've got to, should do it. We've got to have a willingness to do it. Turn with me to uh, Acts chapter 16, verse 6. Acts chapter 16, verse 6. It's not good enough to say, hey, you know what, I know we can do this. There's got to be a motivation that goes beyond just being able. And a motivation that says, hey, you know what? I just don't want to be able to do this. I'm really into this now. Like, I really believe this is what we should do. Amen? Acts chapter 16. 
verse 6. Well, I'm at Acts chapter 6, I'm sorry. Acts chapter 16, verse 6. Here, here we go. It says, now, they, when they had gone through uh, Phrygia, does that sound like Phrygia? Phrygia? Phrygia. All right, let's use Phrygia. And the region of Galatia. They were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. I got that one right. After they had come to, let's call Mysia. Let's use that. Mysia. And they tried to go into, hard to pronounce, but the spirits did not permit them. So passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas. Good. All right. Here's where I really want to get. And the vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now after they had seen the vision, after, sorry, let's read that again. Now after he had seen the vision, no, after who? He. I want you to underline or circle the word he. Now after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought, un circle the word we. We sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called who? Us. I want you to circle the word us to preach the gospel to them. After he had seen the vision. Who saw the vision? He saw it. Paul saw it. Their leader saw it. The person that they were following saw the vision. After he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go to Macedonia. Why? Because we concluded that the Lord had called us. Not him, but us. You see, there's a point in which, watch this, when the man of God gets the vision, that we conclude that it's our vision too. Are you getting this? In other words, sometimes we even struggle with our own vision. Like, God, what do you want to? What, what do you want me to do in life? What are you calling me to do? What's the vision for my life? You know what? Find a man of God because whatever his vision is, conclude that it is your vision as well, and the Lord will reveal your vision as you follow His vision. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. We endeavor to do exactly what the Lord had shown Him. Because when God gives our man of God a vision, then we should conclude that that is our personal vision. Paul had a vision from God and the men who were connected with him understood that if God gave the leader the vision, then he gave them the vision too. You see, God never gives a vision to a group. I'm going to say that again. Listen, have you, ever, have you ever heard? The disciples never said, hey, follow we. Follow we don't sound right. It's follow who? Me. Why? Because God gives the vision to a leader, not a group. If God gave a vision to a group, we would have arguments. In fact, every time, God, every time a group gets a vision, they call it a committee. That's why nothing gets done on committees. Because everybody has a vision in the committee. Are you with me? All right. And so we don't, we don't run by committee. Watch this. God downloads the vision to an individual, to a man. 
to a woman, to a person that he has put in charge. But watch this. Here's the other thing. God never gives a vision to a leader that will not involve a group. Are you getting this? So even though he gives the man of God the vision, the vision is too big for the man of God to carry out on his own. Never gives a vision to a man or a person without it involving a group. He never gives a vision to a leader that will not impact a group. Because a vision from God is always bigger than the person who is carrying the vision. It will always impact more. Than just the person. And he never gives a vision to a person that will not, that will not be implemented by a group. So watch this. If God gave it, then we should do it. If God gave it to our man of God, then we should do it. Pastor Eben received the vision, but it's no longer his vision. Because once he declared the vision, we concluded that the Lord has called us to do it. You see, it's not a me thing. It's a we thing. It remains, if it remains a me thing, it can't be a God thing because God things are never me driven. They're always we driven. That's the power of we because God is always looking for a we to carry out what he has given a leader in his heart. And so what I'm saying today is that we are the we that God needs. Turn to the person beside you and say, we are the we that God needs. Joshua didn't take Jericho by himself. He wasn't marching around that wall by himself. He needed a team. David didn't conquer nations by himself. He needed a team. Nehemiah didn't build a wall by himself. Can you imagine? If Nehemiah was building the wall by himself. Hey, pass me Grasp me the shovel. Here. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> like, that's not going to happen. You need a team. If you're going to achieve anything of significance for God, it's going to require a team. Amen? And we're that team. You're the team that God needs to do the vision that's in this house right now. God gives the vision to the leader and the resources to the people. Turn to Exodus with me. I'm going to show you something real cool. This is, uh, this is back in uh, the days of Moses. And Moses was doing something really interesting for God. I want to show you this Exodus chapter 25. God gives the leader the vision, but he gives the resources to the people. God doesn't give the resources to the leader. He gives the leader vision. That's why when a leader goes out there and tries to use his own resources to do his own thing that God has sent, it always crashes. I'm telling you, you remember that guy that was building the tower and he said, hey, guess what? Uh, God has blessed me with so much, I'm going to tear down my tower and build up a bigger tower. And I'm just going to have it all to myself. And God said, you fool. <laughs> says, uh, tonight your life will be required of you. Listen, when we try to do everything ourselves, we kill ourselves. I'm telling you. That's why the, the apostle said, you know what? It's not good for us to be serving tables. Let's get somebody else to do that while we focus on the word of God and we focus, focus on prayer. Because you cannot do it by yourself. You need a team. A leader always needs a team to do the things that God has called him or her and that body to do. Amen? 
Exodus chapter 25, verse 1. Look at this. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, that they may bring me an offering from everyone who gives it willingly with his heart, you shall take my offering. How should they give it? Willingly with his heart. This is why it's not just about if you can do it, but if you should do it. Is it in your heart? Look at this. Everyone who is willingly in his heart uh, to take the offering. And this is the offering you shall take of them. Gold, silver, bronze. And he goes over into all sorts of other things that you should give. Now, verse 8. It says, And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. According to all that I show you, that is, the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all its furnishings, just so you shall make it. So, God says to Moses, I am building a sanctuary and I need you to let the children of Israel know that they can bring me an offering. And whoever is willing to bring it, let them bring it. And this is all the stuff I need and we're going to build it. Now, for the next 10 chapters, thereabouts. God downloads the exact pattern to Moses. He says that the, the, the uh, candlesticks need to be eight little things and it needs to be pure gold. He says uh, the Ark of the Tabernacle needs to be made pure gold and the box that carries it needs to have like acacia wood and it must be covered in gold. And then there must be a bronze basin and there must be, I mean, and he goes into all sorts of details, exact measurements, height, everything. I mean, this is what the curtain must look like. This is what the poles must look like. The whole thing, jump over to uh, chapter 35. Jump over to chapter 35 of Exodus. What God is looking for is not just a group who can, but a group who's willing. Amen? A group who's willing. So Exodus chapter 35. So for the next 10 chapters, he's talking about what to do. Now Exodus 35 verse 20. Look at this. And all the congregation of the children of Israel departed from the presence of Moses. Then everyone came whose heart was stirred and everyone whose spirit was what? Was willing. And they brought the Lord's offering of the work of the tabernacle of meeting for all its service and for the holy garment. Stop right there. So God is looking for somebody whose heart is willing. Because that's why in the New Testament it says, Let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a what? A cheerful giver. So God is looking for somebody who says, Hey, you know what God? It's not just that I can do this, but I want to do this. I want to see this building built. I want to see this vision come to pass. Because this is bigger than me. And it's bigger than pastor. And it's bigger than everything that I see now. Because what I see now is just a drop in the bucket for what God is about to do. And so they understood the principle and the protocol of vision. That God gives the vision to the leader. And we being connected to the leader take ownership of the vision that God spoke to him. As if God himself spoke to us. Because God will always give us the resources to fund the vision if our heart is willing. I'm going to say that again. God will always give us the resources to fund the vision if our heart is willing. When we participate in the vision, we will receive the personal provision for the vision. I said, when we participate in what God has called the church to do, God will always make sure that personally we have enough in order to fund it. Why? Because it will not fail. 
Let me tell you something. God already concluded that it's a success. So here's the thing. If you join God with what God is doing, then God will always make sure there's provision because his thing will not fail. I don't know if you, are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? This building will happen with or without you. It's going to happen. Look, look, all right, all right, let me show you another way. Uh, Moses, God came to Moses and said, Moses, I hear the cry of my people Israel in Egypt, and I am going to set them free. Now you go and speak to Pharaoh. Let me tell you something. If Moses didn't go, God would have set them free anyway. Because what God is doing will come to pass. He is inviting you to join him in what he's doing. It's his project. So you have a choice. Hey God, I want to be where you're working or I want to be where I'm working. Let me tell you something. If you go where God is working, he'll make sure you have whatever you need to make sure his job comes to pass. Because he ain't going to fail at his job. His project is going to be successful. Can I get an amen? Amen. And so God will always give you the personal provision necessary to bring to pass his vision. And so then, uh, extra, so verse 21 of Exodus 35. Exodus 35, verse 21. Then everyone whose heart was stirred and everyone whose spirit was willing, uh, was willing. And they brought, to the, brought the Lord's offering for the work of the tabernacle of meeting. They brought the Lord's offering. Once you decide... That you're giving it to God. It's no longer your offering. It's the Lord's. Okay. It's the Lord's offering. For all its service and all its holy garment. Watch, watch this. Verse 22. They came, both men and women, as many as had a willing heart, and brought earrings and nose rings. You didn't know that, eh? In the Bible. Nose, all, right. all right. Nose rings. <laughs> rings and necklaces. All jewelry of gold, that is, every man who made an offering of gold to the Lord. Now, can't, no, no, just stop one second. Here's a couple of things. Number one, if God had told everybody what the plan was, how many of you know that some of us would have said, Hey, God, you know that gold is going up on the market. Could we not use silver instead? Hello. In fact, some of the stuff is bronze, so why not use bronze for the candlesticks. I mean bronze candlesticks. Nothing wrong with that. Some of us have that in our house. Some of us would be like. I ain't bringing my gold nose ring. You mad? How many of you have gold nose rings? Let me see. Anybody? No? Right? We would be like. You know what God? And here's the other thing. They were in the wilderness. How many of you would take up an offering of people who are in the wilderness? Some of you feel like. I'm in a wilderness right now. And God says, guess what? Even though you're in a wilderness, there is something you can give to the work of the Lord. There is nothing. Look at this. They were in a wilderness for 40 years. And God took from them what they thought they could hold on to. Their gold. But you know what he did? He made sure their shoes never wore out. And their clothes never faded. Can you, what do you think you need in the wilderness? Gold or shoes? Because sometimes what you think you need is really not what you need. But God knows how to meet your need when you give to him what he asked of you. 
And so they brought the offering to the Lord. Look at next, next chapter, 36. Look at this. This is awesome. Verse 4. This is awesome. 36 verse 4. Then all the craftsmen who were doing the work of the sanctuary came, each from the work he was doing. And they spoke to Moses saying, The people bring much more than enough for the service of the work which the Lord commanded us to do. So Moses gave a commandment and they caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp saying, Let neither man nor woman do any more work for the offering of the sanctuary. And the people were restrained from bringing for the material had been sufficient for all the work to be done. Indeed, too much. Have you ever heard a church say, um, guys, please do not give any more to the building fund. Because we just have too much. Last week, the foreman came and said, we have too much money. They don't know what to do with it. I believe that that can be us. I believe that can be us. I believe that can be us. I believe that can be us. Listen, I believe that can be us. Because the truth is, can I tell you something? We... Pastor Eben was trying to do this without even having a building campaign. Without even having a capital campaign. But you know what? The bank said, hey, we need to see that there is a commitment from the church to meet all the bills in case these bills overrun you. And you know what? It was like, you know, we have, we are in the position where we can do this. And we're doing this because the bank needs some proof. But we already know in our hearts what the Lord is doing. And so guess what? We're going to pick up that, uh, that those commitments on Christmas Day. But can I tell you something? If it gets to the place where we go, it's enough, guys. You don't have to fulfill any more of your pledge. We have more than enough. We're going to say it. Amen? We're going to say it. We're going to say it. I'm telling you. Let me tell you something. I believe with all my heart that every cent we need for this building is in this house. It's here. You know why I know this? Because when God creates something, He puts in it what it needs to fulfill its purpose. I'm going to tell you what I mean. When God created a bird, he didn't teach the bird to fly. He put flight inside the bird. The bird already had flight in it because its purpose was to fly. Listen, when God created a fish, it, he put swimming in the fish. It didn't have to teach the fish to swim. When God created Word of Truth Family Church, he already put in us everything we need to fulfill the vision that he has for us. There is nothing that we can't do that he has called us to do because it's already in us. And so I want you to know that God has called us to build this building. And we can do it. But not only, should we, not only can we do it, but we should do it. But even beyond that, I believe we must do it. We must do it. God has called us to do it, so we must do it. Look at Nehemiah chapter 1. This is my last scripture, I promise you. My time is good. Nehemiah chapter 1. Some of you need to uh, look hard for Nehemiah. Go to the front of your Bible. There's a whole bunch of books listed down the front. Look for Nehemiah. Amen. Nehemiah chapter 1. Nehemiah. Sometimes, sometimes uh, I hear different pronunciations. Like, you know, since I've been in Texas, I hear all sorts of pronunciations for the books of the Bible. And so, Nehemiah, I don't know if that helps some of you. Nehemiah. 
Jamaica we say Nehemiah. <laughs> All right. Nehemiah chapter 1. Uh, verse 1. The words of Nehemiah, the son of... You see these hard to pronounce names again. Here we go on. It came to pass in the month of Chislev, in the 20th year, as I was in Shushan, the citadel, that Hanani, one of the brethren, came with men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped, who had survived the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. See, Babylon had taken over Jerusalem, broke down the, the temple, the walls, everything. And then they allowed some people to go back. And so he was asking them about that. Because he, um, Nehemiah, was in the king's court. He worked for the king of Babylon. He was a government employee. Amen? And so here it is. He said, uh, they said to me, the survivors who are left from the captivity in the province are there in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down and its gates are burned with fire. So it was when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Now Nehemiah is crying. Not because he's an emotional basket case. He is crying because when he heard about the state of the situation, he said to himself, that cannot be. Something must be done about this. There's a point in which you get where when you think about the thing that God wants to do, that it becomes a burden to you, not just a vision. That it's not just a pretty picture on the wall. It's not just a building that looks cute. It's not just a little car there and a little person. You know, look at this picture. Put the picture up on the wall. Let me, sh let me show you something. I mean, sometimes, you know, we look at this picture and we say, Oh, look at those people. You know, that looks like me and my wife, you know. And look at that car. That car looks like an 80s car. They need to get it more modern and stuff. You know? But I could see myself driving that car. Right? It's not about, it's not about all of that. It's got to go beyond the vision of what you see there. And it's got to get to the burden of what it represents. Are you getting what I'm saying? Because guess what? Before Nehemiah had a vision, he had a burden. He cried about something that was wrong before he figured out how to make it right. Do you have a burden for the people who will come to our new church? It's a burden that takes us beyond knowing we can do something and beyond knowing we should do something to the point where we say, I must do something about this. Do you sit down and think about the amount of teenagers who are getting, who are just being pulled into the wrong things in our area? Do you think about all the people who are just getting on drugs in our area? Do you think about all the families that are breaking up in our area? And you think to yourself, how many people are getting divorced? And how many people are under pressure? And how many people don't know the goodness and the grace of the Lord? Does it burden you to the point where you say, we've got to do something about this? Do you get like Popeye and say, I've stands as much as I can stand... And I can't stand it anymore. Does something rise up in you and you say, you know what? Enough is enough. What are we doing about this? Because when you get to that point, that's when you say, I must build this building. I must put a slide in that children's area so that the kids will say, hey, mommy, can we have our birthday party at church? 
Because that's where I like to be. That's where I want to be. When you think about all the kids who grew up in a church, but when they get become adults, they walk away because church was such a bad experience for them. Do you say to yourself, hey, I've got to do something about this. When you think about all our teenagers who have the peer pressure coming on them to date and to have sex and to do all these things, does something rise up in you and go, no, 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 no. We've got to build a building. You see, it's more than a building that we're talking about. You've got to see that there are some families who will not be reached if we don't have more space. You've got to see that there are some families who will not come to a church unless the church is in a building. That's just how it is. You have to see that there are some families that we will not change unless we get to 360. You see, there are teenagers and kids who will never experience the excitement of Jesus if we stay in this school. There are just some things that won't happen if we don't do something. And the question is, do you, uh, do you have the burden to see lives change? Because the building is not about the building. The building is about the lives in the building. The vision has to capture our hearts to the point where we say, we must do it. If we don't do it, what will happen to our kids? And what will happen to our kids' kids? And if we don't build, what will happen to our teens and the teens in this area? And if we don't build, who will care for the families in our communities? Who will teach them? How will they connect with Christ? How will they grow in their faith? How will, they save, how will we save more marriages? How will we change more lives? How will we do all that's in our hearts to do to have people set free if we don't build? The vision is not just about people building a church. It's about a church building people. And we're going to make a pledge on Christmas Day. And everybody will get a pledge card to state how much they plan to give toward building this building over the next three years. Don't just do it because you can do it. Don't just do it because you should do it. Do it because deep inside you know, I must do this. Hallelujah. Did you get something out of today's message? Amen. Give the Lord a hand this morning.